Yeah, Suns back home at Footprint Center tomorrow night with a chance to close out the Clippers in five games in the first round playoff series. Here to give us the Clippers perspective. Kind enough to join us once again. He covers the Clips for the LA Times. Andrew Greif, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Andrew, good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks again for having me on. Uh, we've commented a lot in this series, especially after what we saw over the weekend. It, it's 3-1 on paper, which might indicate that it's been easy, but this has been anything but easy for the Suns. Lots of fight in the Clippers in the first four games. They are a pesky bunch led by Russell Westbrook. But you know, as, you get, as we get closer to Game 5, what kind of feeling do you have on the remaining fight in the Clippers for the rest of this series? they got to be discouraged. Discouraged. Uh, I didn't sense sort of the resolve slipping necessarily. Okay. I was in the locker room. They, they closed the locker room um, after Saturday's game four went by Phoenix. And so I was really the only one in there <laughs> because it just by happenstance. So I was in there talking to a couple guys, a couple players. And Eric Gordon and Avita Zubats, they both were like, this is really hard. Even Eric Gordon said, we basically have to play a perfect game. Mm-hmm. Um, re- referencing not having Kawhi Leonard, not having Paul George. But uh, I don't think that you're seeing them sort of lose the hope. And I'd have to give a lot of that credit to, um, I mean, just the veteran nature of the group. Like, But also Russell Westbrook. I mean, he's sort of not going to go out there and sort of give half effort. Um, that's We don't know how he's going to shoot night tonight. We don't know how he's going <laughs> to handle right. the ball. But you sort of always know that you will get the maximum effort from him. And I think that is something that if you are a team that's just trying to close out these Clippers, it's got to be pretty annoying, right? Like, hey, just go away. Yeah. Oh. Like, you, you're down 3-1. Like, come on. But I I don't sense that um, the fight is gone. But, yeah, Eric Gordon, I think, put it perfectly. Like, it, the margin for error is so slim. They essentially have to shoot the ball extremely well not turn the ball over more than probably 10 times um, and not allow the free throw gap to be as big as it has been. I can't imagine the lament that must must consume the fan base when you see the fight of the of the supporting cast and think of how good this team could have been with PG and Kawhi. Um, is is it just assumed that Kawhi is not playing game five? Is that is that candle of hope still flickering? Well, we, there is going to be practice today in about two hours um, here in L.A. Uh, for the Clippers. So we'll get the kind of the most up-to-date information on Kawhi's status. But there is nothing leaving post-game Saturday that made me think, oh, oh de- they're definitely back. Um, Kawhi and PG are back. I just I did not sense that. Um, so I, it's, I would be surprised, I guess, today if we learned that Kawhi was playing um, based just on the mood, on the tenor of the conversations I had Saturday before and after the game. Uh, but I don't think you should extinguish the hope. But, uh, yeah, it's I, I wouldn't say it's looking good. Andrew Greif from the L.A. Times, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. It's rare territory for the Suns to be up in, in free throw attempts. Uh, they, they're one of the worst teams in differential throughout the year. Obviously, that changes when you add Kevin Durant. But with the way that the Clippers are attacking the basket, and Russell Westbrook specifically, 29 field goal attempts on Saturday, Andrew, zero free throws. Have you been able to glean any kind of frustration from the Clipper side of things on, on how this series has been officiated? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> after after game three, when the differential was 21 free throws in Phoenix's advantage, um, one of the players in the locker room just said, this is outrageous, and he rolled his eyes um, at me, and it was just like, you, ha- you because the way they came into the series wanting to play Phoenix was they had to play physically. They had to be, uh, kind of initiate the contact defensively, 
and really make them feel it. And you're seeing that with Russell Westbrook, especially come from behind and poke the ball away from KD or block him from behind. I don't think I've any, ever seen anyone defend him quite that way before, no. um, that effectively. But that was the game plan, was play physically. Now, when they're not getting calls or they're getting whistled um, on the defensive end, it sort of puts them on their heels. They're a little bit more tentative, and it's kind of throwing off what they hoped would be their plan of attack, assuming um, that in the playoffs there would be maybe a little bit more leeway to have some contact. Um, Their lack of calls on offense on game four with all the pain attempts they had, especially Russell Westbrook, they they very carefully tiptoed around getting fined for any comments around officiating. But, but yeah, there's absolutely frustration there. Um, It was Russ who said basically his mentality going into game five is, Keep attacking, keep attacking, and hopefully I get calls. I know that going into Game 4, Ty Lue wanted to, to really pick up the pace and, and try to make the Suns pay a price for the, the heavy minutes logged by their by their three stars. What do you think about that? Is not, not Ty Lue's strategy, but the viability of the Suns going forward from your experience. It, what do you make of the minutes usage issue? It's something that has been kind of a talking point on the Clippers side, um, you know, not just necessarily like the uh, within the team, but sort of on the media core too, because we're just watching these numbers go up, go up, go up, and um, it does make me at least wonder sort of the viability of of a Suns, you know, going four rounds um, if they're going to have to rely this much on really their three core guys, you know, forty two to forty four minutes a night. That's just really hard, and I know that the playoffs. This is probably going to be the most condensed schedule of a series the the Suns play, right? I mean, everyone's been sort of in consternation. They've only had one two-day break in the series. I'm sure if they keep advancing that there will be probably larger gaps in the schedule of which to rest. But, uh, yeah, it's, it seems pretty hard. And, he, and I, for me, it, it kind of – I realized that it was sort of a concern just the way that Monty had talked about it before Game 4 where – I believe he would said that you know, I didn't. I don't want to do what I did in Game Three again. I don't want to have to play those guys that many minutes. You know, when, when the coach is saying that, and especially with Monty, I, I believe everything he says. Like, you, you can tell that there is some like, hey, we're winning at what cost? Uh, I think you know Durant's the shot making is so good that that's going to give them a chance no matter what series they're in if they advance. But yeah, I, I do think about, you know, look, Chris Paul has an injury history. Um, Katie does too. Yeah. And so that does, it gives me a little bit of pause. Andrew Greif, who covers the Clippers for the LA Times, our guest here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. We saw Ty Lu switch up the starting lineup for game four. He goes back to Marcus Morris, who really hadn't played much in the series at all. Nick Batum goes to the bench. Morris was not good in game four. Is there another adjustment, uh, adjustment per Personnel-wise, you think could be coming from from Ty Lue or uh, maybe a, more of a Robert Covington role? I mean, what what does he play next? I think the maybe last adjustment for the starting lineup would be to remove Morris and put in Terrence Mann. Okay, uh, Mann is all energy all the time. He's a Swiss Army knife. He's played every single position from one through five this year at various times. Um, he's kind of been frustrated by that because it's hard to know your role, right? When you, any given night, you can play center and you're six foot five or you can play point guard. Um, but I, I do think that that may be the last adjustment to make. Batum, I was, really wasn't comfortable as a starter. Um, I think that it's better for him to come off the bench where he can be a little bit more involved offensively, moving with handoffs and not just 
stand in the corner. I think he can throw a guy out of rhythm. I think it threw Morris out of rhythm too. Uh, late in his, kind of late March uh, when he was starting to get out of the rotation, Morris has always been one of Tyloo's um, go-tos because he pr- thinks that it provides better fit with Kawhi and PG. But when you have Kawhi and PG, uh, you know, you don't have a guy who theoretically can space out the defenders away from them because you have a threat of an outside shot. I don't know how much value there is. And he shot three for 13. So yeah. shot making is one of, and tough shot making is one of Morris's best assets. And it wasn't happening uh, defensively. It was just so-so. So if if he goes away from that, I could see it being Terrence Mann because gotcha. he really hasn't trusted Robert Covington a whole lot this year. All right, lastly, the Russell Westbrook uh, revelation this series has been staggering to a lot of people. How a guy went from playing in one uniform in that building to the other and the difference in how it's looked. Give us the context of, of what we're watching here. How's that going to play out in Los Angeles? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a real... I wasn't sure in February when they signed whether, uh, you know, what his future looked like next year. Does he have a place in the league? I think it's pretty safe to say now that the way he's adapted and shown he's malleable, uh, can work around, uh, you know, different kind of environments. One night he has to be a scorer, one night he has to be a assist guy. And he's been disciplined in his shot selection. I think that he's definitely got a place in the league next year, which is probably the biggest picture way to look at it. Um, I, I would say, I would put it like this. On the first day he signed, he comes to the press conference, and I asked him, what did it mean to you to come from basically the Lakers where there were players there who were campaigning for a trade for Kyrie Irving publicly, which would have required him to be sent out? And what's it like to come here where there were players when he was just about to be traded, Paul George, Marcus Morris, who were actively campaigning for Russ to come. They were saying, we want him, we need him. And Russ said that, it felt great to be wanted. And I think what you're seeing is a guy who just feels like I'm valued here. Um, it's, it's probably not like the ideal fit in some ways, but just the mere fact that he knows he's wanted and what he does is what they need him to do. I think you're seeing a guy just play with more confidence. Yes. Um, and, and so it, maybe it sounds hokey. Uh, it's hard to quantify that, but I just really get a sense from talking to him and, and the executives around the team who also didn't expect it to go this well, um, that they feel like it's just a matter of a guy feeling like he's um, got a little bit more purpose with this team. Yeah, Interesting. A- Andrew, great stuff. Thanks so much for joining us again. We really appreciate it. Appreciate it.